listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the PuttCast. Putt is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PuttCast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the PuttCast. This is Monique Whitney. I am the Executive Director of Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, or PUT, and I am excited to have you here with us today. We are going to be talking about a topic that is of great interest to many people out there, and that is 340B, the 340B program. And I'm really pleased to have uh, two women who are experts in this. Uh, They uh, come to us from Secure 340B, and we're going to learn about their company and what they do. I'd like to start by welcoming Amanda Gaddy. She is the co-founder and chief operating officer of Secure 340B. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. Thank you. And Julie Crozier, she is the CEO of Secure 340B. Julie, welcome. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here. So, you know, this is a topic that we hear a lot about at PUT, but it tends to come in waves. And I'm just going to also point out that my dogs, Boxer and Ivy, Boxer, who's not a boxer, and Ivy, who is my 11-month-old puppy, are very excited. So you may hear them from time to time in the background. I apologize. So we were just about to start talking about the 340B program. So we hear about it. There are questions about it. I'd love to know a little bit about Secure 340B. How did you come to found it? And and what is it that you do to help pharmacists out there? So um, we started Secure 340B out of sheer need. My background is I was with Macrohelix and I was in charge of the contract pharmacy department um, from the very beginning. And I learned all that can go right with contract pharmacy and all that could go wrong. Julie was also um, the co-founder of Macrohelix. So she knows everything about 340B as well. And so when I left Macrohelix, I really saw this need to have a company that looks more in the details for the program specifics, because what happens is independent pharmacy owners get handed a contract and say, hey, we want you to be our partner, but they don't know what they're signing. And so really what we do is we go in and we use data to determine if it makes sense to partner. And then we also work through all the terms and the conditions of the program and then provide additional um, resources as training and education. And we help not only customers trying to get into 340B, but current 340B participants, independent pharmacies who, again, have already signed something and aren't really sure what they signed, or maybe, you know, they believed it was a it was a great contract at the time and needed to be reassessed again because times have changed. So this would be a good time to define for those listeners out there who maybe aren't as familiar with the 340B program. What is it? Uh, where did it start and what has changed about it? Do you want to take that one, Julie? Sure. The 340B program uh, started many, many years ago, and the intent of the program was to allow the hospitals and clinics that were serving underserved populations, particularly populations who could not afford their medications, et cetera, 
to provide discounted pricing for prescriptions and return revenue to those types of hospitals and clinics in order for them to expand their services and meet the needs of their community. And so that's how it started. And it started with a limited type of, of hospitals, limited type of clinics, and then it expanded to include many other types of hospitals and clinics. So um, it's, it's grown. Uh, the second thing that happened was in 2010, the contract pharmacy arrangement was expanded to where one hospital could partner with unlimited number of contract pharmacies. And so that really uh, made the program explode in size. So it started off as a as a program that was meant to help get lower price medications into the hands of the people who needed them most. And then there's it sounds like then what happened after that was there started to be enormous expansion. And inside of that, the service that you're providing now is to help pharmacies be able to navigate this program in order to uh, fulfill on the mission of the program. I remember when we first met, you were talking, we were so for everybody listening, so we were all at the NCPA conference together and we were neighbors. And when we first met, some of the questions you were fielding were were questions from pharmacists who either didn't understand what they'd gotten into, or maybe there were some some things that hadn't worked out exactly as they had hoped. And so what you do is you you go in and you try to help them uh really be able to to fulfill on on this program and help their patients it sounds like is that right that's right so so you know when we were talking about some of the problems that pharmacies have when they first get into this program i imagine that happens because now just from the, the people i know who've talked about this program among you know like in, in pharmacy circles right what they end up doing is they'll they'll sign on, they get involved, and they don't always have help or coaching, so they don't always know what they're getting into. And so it sounds like one of the services that you provide is to really help people understand, pharmacists understand this program to help avoid some of the pitfalls that sometimes may come up in a 340B program that maybe if you you know, were someone who signed on and you, you weren't really fully aware of the, the entirety of the program, you might have some of those things come up. Yeah, it's really common for a program to start for a, a pharmacy, independent pharmacy, really with no training, with no education on what's supposed to happen. Uh, they'll receive a you know a large amount of inventory. They're not sure what to do with it, how to account for it, all the the operational aspects of 340B that are left out of the discussion because you know, the hospital is unaware of what the pharmacy needs to know. And the third party administrator, you know, their client is the hospital. So they may or may not have the time to educate the pharmacy on what the 340 program, how it interacts with their business, and if they need to make any adjustments to their daily operations. So Amanda, what what are some things that you would need to know about the program design before signing on a 340B agreement? So you really need to know what type of agreement you're signing. Is it for brand and generic or brand only? Um, you have to know the dispensing fee. Is it a flat fee or is it a percentage base? Um, and that's very important because that dispensing fee becomes the margin for those claims, for every 340B claim. You also have to know how is the pharmacy going to be invoiced? Will they be invoiced when the claim qualifies 
or would they only be invoiced once they receive the product? And this is a huge thing. And I think Julie's going to talk about this in a minute. But right now we have a lot of pharmacies who are still being invoiced for products they're not receiving. Um, I've got I had one pharmacy that had $300,000 of inventory that was in their accumulator that they had already been invoiced and paid the covered entity and had not received the product. So they ended. So we always recommend um, only being invoiced after the product has been replenished, um, and also the terms of the agreement. Like when they are invoiced, um, how long do they have to pay their um, covered entity? Because if it's seven days, and we all know that reimbursement from third party is not seven days, um, then we need to push that out a little bit to allow them time to be paid, so they can pass that revenue to the covered entity. So Julie. Uh, I know that in the 340B program, there are challenges. Uh, no no program is without, you know, it, it's little bugs and things that come up. What are some of the challenges with the 340B program that you have seen in your time here at, at Secure 340B? Well, there's been challenges since the program started. It's a very complicated program. It's a lot of shades of gray, not very much black and white. But the, the most recent challenge has been the manufacturer restrictions. And certain pharmaceutical companies have decided to restrict the number of contract pharmacies and what medications can be considered 340B for those pharmacies. Uh, some of them restrict it to just one pharmacy that the hospital can choose if they don't have their own. And others will allow you to obtain 340B pricing at contract pharmacies if the hospital or clinic submits data to ESP is, is the third party. Uh, essentially, jumping through a lot of hoops is not something that, that the pharmacies or the hospitals are really prepared to do. And because of that, these drugs that have been qualifying for 12 years are suddenly not qualifying for 340B. And so the program, of course, is shrinking and patients are not able to get the medications that they need. Uh, insulins are a large quantity of the medications that are limited by the manufacturers. And um, so obviously there are a lot of repercussions when the 340B price is not offered for those meds. Do you have any idea why they started imposing those kinds of restrictions? Yes. So what we believe is going on is it has to do with PBMs and rebates. So if a if pharma sells a medication at a 340B price, a discount, and it's for a, a third party, um, it could be even a commercial plan. And then the PBM goes back and says, hey, we want our agreed upon rebate. And let's say they rebate that product back. So basically they've sold it for 10 cents and they've paid $200 back on a rebate to the PBM. And there could even be like a copay card in there. So the thought behind it is to have more transparency to say, hey, if these claims are 340B, then we pharma do not owe you PBM rebates on these medications. And so that's the reason they're, they're wanting to restrict it to one pharmacy is because it's better control. And typically it's the, the pharmacy that's owned by the covered entity. But if they agree, if they do expand to um, if they want to expand and restore pricing to multiple contract pharmacies, a lot of these manufacturers say, well, send us the data through 340B ESP, this platform, and let's identify those claims so we're not responsible for, for paying rebates. Now, that's that's my understanding of why this is all happening. I see. So you have a manufacturer who is already 
uh, providing a medication at a, at a lower cost in order to reach a population who needs it but can't afford it at whatever the prices are that it might be on maybe a different insurance plan or even out of pocket altogether. But because PBMs have gotten into the middle of it, if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, because PBMs have gotten into the middle of it, what's happened now is uh, the manufacturers are now trying to restrict it or hold it back, or is it the PBMs who are trying to restrict it? I think what um, pharma's doing is they're trying to say, okay, if these claims are 340B, we do not owe you PBMs rebates for these claims, which is understandable. Very understandable to me. I mean, you know, if I were giving somebody a discount, I wouldn't want to give them another discount um, on top of that. But I want to reiterate something that Julie said earlier is patients are not having access to their medications and insulin is a big part of it. And so if you think about it, if they live 30 miles in away from the covered entity and they can only have one contract pharmacy and that pharmacy is 30 miles away, um, yeah, they sort of have access to it, but if they can't get there, they don't. So what do they do? I mean, that's true. Like if they cannot get to the pharmacy and get their medication, what are they going to do? They're going to end up being um, probably readmitted because their diabetes is uncontrolled and that's going to you know, increase costs drastically. So I think we oh, yeah. always have to think about like the patient um, and the impact this is having on the patients. There's, I saw a statistic once that said something like it's, well over 300 billion annually that taxpayers end up absorbing because of un, because of medical complications that come from people not being able to access their medications which is why i think a program like what what you're offering is so important because at the end of the day we want our patients to have their medications and they need to have their medications and access as you said access is not 30 miles away. And it's also not, you know, necessarily mail order. If you need your medication, if you're, you know, out of insulin, you don't want to wait three to five days or however long it takes to get that medication sent to you. And you know, it's actually more than that. So it is the access, but it's also these pharmacies, a lot of these pharmacies all offer, you know, clinical medicine programs and packaging and delivery and all these things that are not really billable, right? And so by them having 340B and having a bump in their margin, they can still provide these services that keep that patient from being readmitted. And I don't want to, I mean, downplay that. That's huge. We're not talking about filling a prescription and handing it to them. We're talking about taking care of patients. And 340B allows them to do that. I'm going to be honest, on a PBM-only um, reimbursement, they can't do it. They can't do it to the level because... You know, it's expensive to pack medicine. It's expensive to have one or two delivery cars. Um, and so those things can, by having a good solid 340B program, they really can offer these the services that, again, are helping those patients. Amen. <laughs> That's like everything you said is right on. I can just feel all the people now giving you a standing ovation as they're hearing that. Um, it is about patient care. It's so, so, so important. And you're absolutely right. They, they wouldn't be able to do this on just PBM reimbursements alone, which of course is how PUT even came into existence, uh, was just years and years and years of cuts and PBM abuse to pharmacies who then couldn't take care of their patients. And then the resulting pharmacy deserts that have been popping up for a long, long time now. Is there a, a particular pharmacy or area of the country? So I should say a particular type of pharmacy or areas of the country. If, if I were 
a pharmacy, if I were a pharmacist with a pharmacy, and I was looking at this program, but I hadn't been involved before. I guess I guess what I'm asking in a very long roundabout way is who would be the ideal type of pharmacy, or is there an ideal area of the country where pharmacies are where they they should be talking to you about uh, this program? Yeah. So what I think about, of course, it can work anywhere, but really, I'm thinking more of like rural America, you know, where you've got you know the local pharmacies and the hospital and the clinics, and and you you know it's a conversation. If let's say that there's um, a, a covered entity, and they can find out. Um, who is 340B in their area by going to the OPAIS website. And it's um, opais.hrsa.gov, hrsa.gov, and search for covered entities and look and say, oh, well, there's somebody, Memorial Hospital is a covered entity and here's the contact. Wait, I know that person because we, our kids go to school together. And then start having the conversations of, hey, let's just, first of all, let me tell you what all we do at our, our pharmacy, clinical wise, right? Because they don't, the hospitals don't know what they don't know. And so I think that that's very important to promote clinical services and what you're doing to help patient care. And then let 340B be part of that conversation to say, you know, let's explore it. And that's what we do at Secure 340B is we use data. Does it work with everybody? No. But what we can do is we can get um, some information from the the hospital and we can get the information from the pharmacy and we can run the numbers. It's black and white. Um, that is the one part I know Julie alluded to. It, there's a lot of gray in 340B, but this is black and white. You can look and say, yes, this is going to work. No, it's not. Because it really has to be that partnership. And remember that one patient who's going to the pharmacy is the same patient who may be being readmitted at that um, hospital or, or frequent flyer in the emergency room. And so by everybody getting on the same page, it's to me, that's just the perfect match because you're really helping your community. You're using the dollars for the right reason, the savings for the right reason. You're generating revenue back to the covered entity so they can provide services they can't provide otherwise. So it again, it just starts with finding out what are the opportunities and having the conversations. That's great. That's great. Now, is there is there any way that a program like this could be detrimental to pharmacies? Oh, yes. So that's probably one of the main reasons I wanted to start this company is because I had friends, colleagues, they were signing agreements, they had no idea what they were signing, and they were losing money. Some were going out of business. Some were being bought and acquired by other independents because they, were, they weren't making any money. And it was because 340B was set up so incorrectly. And I'll give you an example. So like if a pharmacy's on a flat fee, let's say they're getting a flat fee, $25 per prescription for every brand that they fill, or let's say everyone, and they fill a three-month prescription for insulin. All they're keeping is $25. And then in six months, guess what? We have a DIR fee of 11%. So 11% of a three-month supply of insulin or Eliquis or whatever it is, they're losing money because all they have is that initial dispensing fee. So that's why it's so important to know um, you know, to compare the dispensing fee to what they would make without 340B, including any rebates, because you got to think about the impact that it has on your entire book of business when you're shifting purchases to a 340B account. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is just not knowing what's going on in your program. So if you're in, currently in a 340B program, log in to whatever 340B administrator you're using, make sure you're very clear on if there's inventory still due to you, um, have you been invoiced for it? If you have, you need to, to work on getting that trued up right away. And then also knowing that, um, it, you know, trying to get into a, 
um, and be an invoice only when you see, receive the product, because that's huge. That's a huge issue that we see again, where pharmacies are invoiced. So let's say the patient leaves the pharmacy with three, three months of eloquence. The pharmacy receives $1,500. They transfer and pay the hospital, let's say $1,400. Um, and they're left with a hundred. Then they're out that in, the inventory and the inventory is just sitting in somebody's accumulator. And all they have is $100 and they've, they've purchased all that from their wholesaler and the patients received it. So um, that's something to be very careful of. One of the big issues we see if we're not involved is um, whenever a pharmacy goes live, uh, let's say that their effective date is September 1st, but everything's not ready until December 1st. And all the claims that were from September 1st through December 1st automatically qualify. And so they get a you know, 10 totes of medication and they owe the covered entity a hundred thousand dollars. And then they're from the very beginning of the program, just starting on a bad foot. So that's one of the things that we like to do is stay involved during that implementation um, stage so that we can get an impact report. What in inventory can they use or can they send back on their retail account for credit? And what can they not use? Like what is non-returnable? Um, because we don't want, you know, three Humeras if they only have one patient on it and they're not going to be able to return it. Um, so that that go live is so important, knowing exactly what's going to happen um, and if they're, they're going to requalify claims or not. And then also one thing we see is on the uninsured program. So patients who don't have insurance and they're just paying, you know, 10 to $15 for prescription. And then it goes through the through the 340B administrator, and then there's missing data and it won't qualify. And this is not every time. I mean, it's just something I've seen several times before. So patient has left the building with the medication again, and you log into the system and it's not showing as 340B. So they never received the product back. So it's little things like that, that you really have to be aware of what's going on. Oh, one other thing is, is like, when they receive the invoice. So if I receive an invoice for $20,000 that I owe the covered entity, I need to see the claims that match that. I need to see what claims I'm being invoiced for. And then and ask myself, did I receive these items or log into the platform and look and see what inventory did I receive and make sure it's matching up because it doesn't always match up, unfortunately. And and I wanted to add that it can be really scary, and I, we certainly don't want people to say, oh, I'm never going to get in 340B, or I better get out of 340B. It's a game changer. It can be po a positive game changer and really help your pharmacy out financially. It can also, as Amanda just talked about, it can put you in the dirt. What you want to know is what type of program am I in? What type of program am I getting in? And having that analyzed either yourself or someone else or using us, um, you need to know as, as business owners, we can sleep better at night knowing what type of program or organizations we're involved with. And I highly encourage you don't jump out of 340B, but please make sure you understand what's going on with your program. Yeah, Julie, I'm so glad you said that because we kind of do gloom and doom because it can be gloom and doom. But we have so we work with so many pharmacies that do so many great things um, because they manage their program. And that's that's completely why we are and who we are and do what we do is because. You know, when you have reimbursement rate, rates cut, DIR fees, all of these things going in the pharmacy, we just don't want 340B to be that mystery box of like, is that helping me or is that hurting me? It should be very clear in black and white how it's impacting the pharmacy.
there's often so much in in the world of pharmacy that is doom and gloom and what you're describing really sounds like such a bright spot and so it's exciting to know that you're there it's exciting to know that that you're helping pharmacies so that they can further expand access and help patients uh, i think that that is so you know, encouraging, and it's a real bright spot at a time when things haven't always looked so rosy, if you will. Yes, that that gave me chills. <laughs> it really did because it's the right. It's, it's so it's so right. It's so true. It's like if it's structured correctly and it's monitored, and the pharmacy knows how to manage it, it can be a huge game changer. Huge. So, in, you know, today's market, you fill three months um, of a brand medication, you lose money. Well, if this is structured correctly, that will never happen. You'll never lose money on a prescription. That's great. That's, that is so great. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, so if someone's listening to this and they are thinking, hey, my 340B program isn't, uh, like, I don't feel like I'm on top of it, or I have questions. Uh, can they contact you to to ask what 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 would be the best way for someone who's listening to this program to be able to get their questions answered? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to our website, which is secure340b.com. Um, also on that website, there's a two minute quiz, like at test at a high level, kind of how you are, how, how much you know about your program to kind of see, are you asking yourself these types of questions uh, for your program so they can do that? They can certainly email either Amanda or myself, um, Julie at Secure340B and she's Amanda at Secure340B. You can reach out that way. You can text Amanda. No, I'm just kidding. You <laughs> <laughs> you your, do you have a landline please don't text man yeah please don't please don't text <laughs> i'm kidding um yeah no but it sounds it's 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 really it's such an exciting program and i i'm excited for all of our our listeners and i'm excited for for putt to be able to um you know help spread the word about the really great work that you're doing is there is there i guess as we come to the end of the interview i i'm curious are there misconceptions that are out there that you you would really like to dispel or, or is there something about 340b that maybe most people don't know that you'd love for them to know what what is something you'd like people to know about the 340b program that maybe they don't know or just isn't commonly known there's a misconception as we mentioned before that 340B is all bad or all good. And some believe that it's it's the devil because they've either been in a bad contract in the past or they don't understand it. Other people think, think it's the, the perfect program and uh, maybe it is for them, but maybe they just aren't aware of what it, it's doing to them financially. So I, I'd just like to reiterate that it can be a wonderful program, and but it has to be set up correctly. It has to be managed correctly, just like anything else in your business. You know, I, I encourage anyone, even if you just have like a, a little question, just reach out to us. If you don't have somebody who knows 340B, just send us an email. We'd be glad to help because there's so many different pieces to this. And, you know, maybe you understand your program, but there's just this little question you've never really understood or a term that you don't understand. Just just reach out to us. This is what we do. We help people understand this program. We help independent pharmacies understand this program. That's great, Julie. Uh, question, do you know approximately how many 340B pharmacies are currently operating 
I realize not like specifically, but, but in general, there, I don't know the exact number. There are thousands of contract pharmacy arrangements. Uh, we work with a little over 400. So there are many, many more out there. I want to so, say it's like in the 20,000s as far as, um, and then we're not talking about independence. We're talking about contract pharmacy arrangements with, you know, a pharmacy and multiple co covered entities. Right. There probably are if you include, yeah, I was just thinking about the independence, but right. With chains and things there's, oh yeah, there's many. Yeah. So there's, there's probably a lot of need out there to be able to understand what is happening with the program. Cause it's not a, it's not a static program. I mean, it, it has definitely, you know, developed and morphed and changed over time. And, and we started to become extremely interested around the time that we started hearing from some of our pharmacies about uh, PBMs inserting themselves into the middle of it, because why wouldn't they? It's one more place they could try to make a profit off of. And because things have changed so much, I'm sure you would be an excellent resource for anyone who has a question or even anyone who's thinking about uh, going into this program, maybe maybe you're a pharmacy, pharmacist or your pharmacy owner, and you are in a rural part of your state, and you know this may be a program that would allow you to uh, help patients in your community access you. So I, I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening, if you have questions, to talk to Amanda or to Julie. Um, Amanda, is there any misconceptions or something you'd like the listeners to know about 340B from your view? So I don't know if it's a misconception, more of confusion regarding the manufacturer restrictions. So there are 18 manufacturers and there are multiple implications with this. You know, some only apply to hospitals, some apply to hospitals and um, and grantees, some apply to hospitals and CHCs. I mean, it's just it's just and some can pick one, but not only one. Some you can pick um, multiples if you send this data to 340BSP. You get the point. It's very complicated. So we we have developed an algorithm that we can, if we have the data, determine which claims are being missed that should qualify. For example, there are a lot of covered contract pharmacies that are with um, grantees like FQHCs. And some of the TPAs have just simply blocked all NDCs, not just the ones that were specific to hospital only. So we can run an algorithm to determine what's being missed. And then we can also identify which claims would have qualified, um, but didn't if we have if we if we have the right data, um, and what the next step would be based on that manufacturer. So if it is Lily, here's what has to happen for those claims to qualify. And um, we've had a lot of success getting a lot of prices restored because of that, and thus helping more patients. That's great. Well. Julie and Amanda, thank you so very much for being with us on the podcast. I am so excited about Secure 340B and what you are doing and the service that you're providing for all of the uh, contract pharmacies that are out there having this service be available for their patients, because at the end of the day, it's really about the patients. And we appreciate you so much. We'd love to have you back on a future podcast if you think you'd be up for that there's always questions about 340b and we may want to even do something like a q a uh have some of our pharmacists submit questions and and have you answer them if you think you'd be up for that well, that'd be a lot of fun we'd look forward to that very good very good all right well and for everybody listening today thank you again for joining us if you have questions 
For Amanda or Julie, you can send them to us at info at truthrx.org. If you'd like to know more about secure340b.com, you can check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you on the podcast. Thank you.